Well, good afternoon. Here we are already at the third session. And uh, we've looked at specifically this morning the subject of God being our being the owner and us being the steward in our relationship with God, who we are. And many of the fallacies and doctrines stem from a false recognition of who God is. But I think many times it's also in not understanding who we are. I think man is, is the primary reason for creation. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to read Genesis and see how God created the world, then he put man in and told man to, to dominate the world, to control or, or uh, to operate in the world, and, you know, that may suit our character. Um, but we may take from that idea that God had a world and he needed men to operate it. I really don't think that's the purpose. God created the world for humanity. I don't think that, I think we are the object of creation. God didn't just drop us in here to do a job. You know, the reason I'm quite certain that's not true is because we, he certainly would have done a better job of creating someone that would fulfill his purposes if that was his goal. You know, when you actually think of it and you look at God's creation and you see how that each part of God's creation operates and apart from humanity animals and the tiniest insects they operate on instinct and God could have created a being like humanity that automatically got up every morning with a very big cheerful smile and said praise the Lord and raised their hands in prayer and said a cheerful good morning to each other and it was just our nature to do all those things he could have completely done that but the purpose of God is that we exercise our will. And it brings glory to God as we exercise our will along with his will. So before we go into the study, let's bow our heads for a moment in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to commit this time to you, Lord. There's some, some uh, huge thoughts here of, of misunderstanding in the world. I just pray, Lord, that you'd give clarity to our minds to be able to perceive the truth. And I pray you'd give me clarity to be able to share it in a way that's true and, uh, and understandable. We just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in this session, I want to look at some of the Old Covenant, New Covenant uh, distinctions, maybe some distinctions, especially in relation to being a steward. And we're going to be looking just a little bit more maybe of the financial aspect of our stewardship and I believe this is a subject that's been misunderstood, misinterpreted for, for many generations. I think there, it's misunderstood by, by our whole American culture, even, even our American uh, constitution and so on seems to have some, some uh, applications to the Old Covenant, New Covenant. And, um, and I, I believe that a clarity and an understanding of what is the distinction of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant brings our life a lot more meaning and purpose, and I think it, it frees, up, frees us up in a lot of ways. You know, in the, the Bible tells us God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? Now, why is there a difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant? Why does the God of the Old Covenant seem different than the God of the New Covenant? 
Why does Jesus come in saying, it hath been said unto you, but I say unto you, it hath been said by them of old times, you know, love your, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say unto you, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you. Jesus brings some change. There's a new covenant, and there's change to it. In the old covenant, we have the Ten Commandments, very clear, you know, and, and in, in, a, in a group this type, if I would ask the question, do you guys believe in the Ten Commandments? I'd say probably most of you would raise your hands. Yes, I believe in the Ten Commandments. Yet probably, probably there's nobody here that actually keeps the Sabbath, is there? Any of you Sabbath keepers here? You may be too shy to mention it. Maybe some of you are. Okay, do we really believe in the Ten Commandments? Well, in reality, the Ten Commandments is a very clear part of the Old Covenant. Now, this whole subject has been a bit of a quest of mine through, throughout my life. And uh, there's, I've had so much influence from people that are Sabbath keepers, Seventh-day Adventists. And so I want to look at some of these subjects along with this because it ties right in here. Tithing, Sabbath keeping... Uh, maybe a little bit on the subject of covetousness. But we see a, a huge distinction between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Now, what is the distinction in its essence? And I'd just like to give you my answer. This is my answer after, after a study and, and, and having come to a place of rest. This is my answer. The, uh, let's, let's, let's draw a little bit of a foundation here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. If you've got a Bible and care to look at this, we'll look at a few verses there and ask a few questions. The Apostle Paul talking to the Corinthians says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we as, other, as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the, with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. Okay, he says it's written not in tables of stone. What's, what's the typology here? What, is, what, what was written on a tables of stone? Anybody tell us what was written on the tables of stone? The Ten Commandments. Thank you. The tables of stone had the Ten Commandments on. They had the, they had the old law on them. And uh, what do we think that this uh, stone in this, par in, this, in this verse really represents when we think of, of the stone that the Ten Commandments was written on? It was written on a table of stone. If you remember with me, Moses went up onto the mountain. God wrote the Ten Commandments on the tables of stone. And Moses, upon returning to the children of Israel, worshiping an idol at the bottom, was very angry, and he threw down those tables of stone, and they, and they were broken. The tables of stone were broken. Now, God could have chosen anything else to write those things on. God could have chosen a, a parchment. He could have chosen a piece of animal skin could have chosen any other material to have written this on, but it seems significant that God chose to write this law on a table of stone. Of course, God, so Moses had to do this again. 
God said to Moses, okay, you come back up again. Uh, this time he told Moses, you hew out the stones. Last time I hewed them out, and this time you, you hew them out. You make so free with my tables of stone. So, <coughs> excuse me, Moses hewed them out, and God once again wrote down the law on the tables of stone. But here's a very key verse I'd like us to think about. I believe the typology here in the stone has a comparison to the condition of man's heart. I believe the condition of man's heart is typified by this stone. Let's read with me Jeremiah 31, 33. Jeremiah here is prophesying of the new covenant, the covenant that God is going to make with Israel. It says, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their heart. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. So God here is, is speaking of a new covenant that he's going to not write it on tables of stone. Let's go on reading verse 4. It says, and such trust have we, uh, if we would drop back to 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 4, and such trust have we through Christ to God were, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency of, is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit bringeth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, this glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? The glory of the ministration of the Spirit. The letter kills, but the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit gives life. So we have a ministration of the Spirit. For if the ministration of condemnation, the law, be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which had glory, which was made glorious, had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Okay, so what was done away? The tables of stone were done away. Okay, let's look back at Jeremiah 31, 33. The promise is that he will write, he will bring a new covenant, a covenant that will not be written in tables of stone, but will be written in the fleshly tables of the heart. How, how is this accomplished? See, I think the thing that we, that we find and struggle with is, is the fact that we have laws like, we have laws of tithing. The law was that you shall tithe. You shall give a 10% and, and you shall give here and you shall give there. And this is the law. You must do this. It was a letter. I think time you figured everything up, it may have come to 20 some percent of their actual income. But the law, it was written on a stone. And here he says, I will make a new law that I will write in your hearts. Now, I think the essence of this, the essence of the, dis, of the dispensational change is this. It's not that God changed. It's not that God changed his law. He wrote it on a different surface. 
Do you follow what I'm saying? God wrote the law on a different surface. In the old covenant, it was on a law of stone. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, a piece of, of material that had no give, no flexibility whatsoever. The stone was a picture of the people's hearts. The prophecy says that he will take out the stony heart and he will give them a heart of flesh. Okay, so imagine a heart of stone or you imagine, imagine the tables of stone, a picture of that stony heart that was within the children of Israel and that, that is within every unconverted person today. The operation of God is to take out the stony heart out of your flesh and put in a heart of flesh. So let's take this, let's take this thought and apply it. The law, which, which was written on the tables of stone, clearly defined, and it was a letter that brought condemnation. But now God takes that law and he writes it on a very different surface. If you were to take a pen or if you were to take a carving instrument and you wrote on a stone, it would be very different than if you took that same instrument and you carved it out of a living piece of flesh. The living piece of flesh would bleed. Is that right? If you tried to carve into a human heart, that surface would bleed, wouldn't it? It wouldn't look the same as if you put it on a piece of stone because it would become an emotion. Instead of thou shalt not kill, which, the, which was written in the stone, instead of that phrase, thou shalt not kill, there's a whole new emotion which actually says you shall love your neighbor. See, it creates emotion and it's a spirit that gives life instead of a law that brings death and condemnation. So if, if, I'm to, if I'm to share with you what is the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, it's a spirit that's written on our hearts as opposed to a letter that's written on a piece of stone. You know, people's hearts can be very, very hard. You go to your local prison, your jail, whatever it is, and some criminals there that have been put in, in maximum security because they have no feeling left. They, have, they don't have any emotion left. They, their heart is absolutely a flint. They can't be touched. Yet, if you talk to the, uh, to the chaplain at that prison, he's going to tell you that he has the job to tell those criminals, whoever it is, about the death of their mother. Okay, your mother passed away. And he will tell you that even the most hardened of those criminals will weep. There's still some emotion there. There's still a touch of softness there. And the old covenant is a, is a covenant that has no emotion. It's hard. But God wants to put inside of every person a soft heart that can be touched and can be written on. And every one of his laws, every one of the laws of God, he wants to write them on your heart. It's not a law thou shalt remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. No, it's the heart of that law. It's the spirit of that law that says, I want to spend time with you. Set time apart for me. That's the spirit of it. And that's what brings us in communion with God. It's that spirit that says, that doesn't say, I want 10% of your income. No, no, it's a spirit. I want to I 
support God's work. I want to support the work of God with every part of my, my assets. There's a spirit and the work of Jesus Christ as he came on the, on the cross, as he, as he hung on the cross. The Bible says, and I, if I be lifted up, Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto myself. Jesus hanging on the cross has a drawing and a compelling attraction to the human heart. If your heart's not hard, you'll be drawn by the love of Christ. The love of Christ, hang, as he expresses it by hanging on the cross, how could a person show more love than that? By giving his life for another. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friend, for his neighbor. There's no greater love. And Jesus, in his death on the cross, he expressed that love to you. He said, you're worth my death. You're worth my suffering. You're worth it for, to me. And he expressed value for your life. And he wants to reach inside of your heart. And he wants to squeeze that, that stony heart. And he wants to tear out that stony heart. And he wants to replace it with a heart of flesh. So that you have feeling. And you have emotion. So that you have a, an ability to, to serve God from the spirit. It's not an old dead law that, that brings rebellion and raises antagonism in your heart, but, it, but it's, a, it's a heart of feeling and longing. The one that loved me gave me direction for my life, and I'm going to adhere and obey that. So the letter that kills, it's a letter written on a stone. It's the old covenant. The new covenant is written on the soft tissue of your heart. It's a spirit. It's not a letter anymore. It changes in different applications. In one situation, in one situation, it's this way. Another situation, it's that way. And each situation, because you have the spirit, it comes out right. Instead of a, instead of a, re, a resistance and a, and a restriction from, from committing evil, evil crimes, like stealing or, or killing uh, or committing adultery or any other law, it's, it's a spirit that lives inside. And instead of, of stealing or taking from others, it's a heart of compassion for others that causes us to reach out and minister. The new covenant, the new covenant heart. And to me, that's the only way that I can bring the two together and I can see God doesn't change. He's only written it on a different heart. God does it, God's given you a new heart by Jesus Christ and he has, has written that law upon your heart. Let's look at a few of the, a few of the uh, commands in the Old Testament. Numbers 18.20 says, And the Lord spake unto Aaron, and he said, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel, and behold, I give the children of Israel, all the tenth of in Israel for an inheritance for their service, which they serve either even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Okay, jumping over into the New Testament, Matthew, Matthew 23, 23, Jesus says, woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and coming and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment and mercy and faith. 
these ye ought to have done and have not left the other undone. This is probably the only time in the New Testament that Jesus mentions the subject of tithing and he mentions it very much in a past tense. These ye ought to have done and not to have left the other undone. Do I think it's wrong to tithe? I certainly don't think it's wrong to tithe. If that's how you choose to give, I think that's wonderful. So many people that don't choose to tithe or don't choose to give, they, re they don't give at all. It can, it can very well slip by you if you don't purpose to do it. But is that the fulfillment of the new law? Is that the fulfillment of a, of a heart of compassion that would, that would cause you to show compassion on others? No, it's not the fulfillment. You haven't done your duty at that point and said, okay, I've given my 10% to the church. This is God's money. The rest of it I spend on whatever I want to. That's not the new covenant. That's not the new covenant. It's wonderful if you're able to set aside 10%. It's better if you set aside 50%. And I think the Christian life can be an extravagant life. I think we can give extravagantly. And we want to look at some more of that tomorrow. Extravagant giving and the Lord's blessing on that. But what I'd like to point out specifically is that that tithing has, has changed. In the New Covenant, it's not, a, it's not written in a table of stone. It's written in the, in the fleshly tables of the heart. And each person is going to express that in a different manner. So is tithing in the New co Covenant? Or how does it, why does it not fit into the New Covenant? It's because we don't have it written today on a table of stone. What about the Sabbath keeping? The Sabbath Keeping is basically a, a Sabbath, is basically a tithe of our time. It's basically saying set apart. God says set apart a day for me. And uh, don't be thinking about your business. Don't be thinking about your herds and your flocks and your work. But think about spiritual things, things, things of God. And it was a tithe. It was, it was set. Exodus 20 says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Leviticus 23.3 says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh is a Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is a Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. We do know that the Sabbath was, the principle of the Sabbath was a creational principle. We know God rested on the seventh day, and he sanctified it and set it holy. Yet uh, we have no command in the by the patriarchs to keep the Sabbath. We have no record that any of the patriarchs kept the Sabbath. But at the giving of the law by Moses, we see that Moses commanded the people to keep the Sabbath, to quit working on the Sabbath. No work shall be done. Not lighting a fire, not picking up sticks, not, not doing any kind of work. This was a law. It was to people of the, of the, of the uh, tables of stone. That's who it was to. It was given to people who were obeying the law. And God gave this command to them. And, and one of the things, one of the reasons we see that uh, it clearly was not being taught by the patriarchs was the fact that when Moses, when there was a transgressor in the time of Moses, Moses had to ask God, what do we do with this guy? He was picking up sticks. God says, kill him. It's pretty terrible, isn't it? The, the consequences for breaking the law of God was, was death. This man was just out picking up sticks because he wanted to make a fire, I believe. And um, 
He needs to be killed. He's disobeying. You know, today we have people that take a very nonchalant approach towards Sabbath keeping and they say, okay, yeah, we're Sabbath keepers. But in reality, they obey none of these commands that say how you should obey the Sabbath. There's only one Sabbath given in the Bible, and that's this one by Moses. And yet people, they, 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 quickly, uh, they quickly adapt to this Sabbath teaching, and it's just rampant in our world. There's a huge movement of Sabbath keepers whether it's uh, whether it's some of the new uh, styles of Ju- Judaism or or whether Seventh Day Adventists or whatever, there's a huge movement out there. I believe it's just, it's it's growing very quickly, and and part of what what touches my heart on this situation is many of these people are very sincere, and they and they don't understand the heart of God in the situation, and and they begin to hold on to a a law that's written in stone instead of adapting the actual law of God and the heart of God in, the, in, in that command. Let's look a little bit what Jesus taught about the Sabbath. And if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. We want to look at a teaching here on the Sabbath because in stewardship, I think this is a very, very important aspect of stewardship. We have to understand what in our covenant is our call in stewardship? Is it to obey the law? Is it to be, is it to be a new covenant steward? As we looked at earlier, Jesus' blood washed away our sins. It is the purchase of our bodies and our spirits. So in the new covenant, we have been bought. What have we been bought to? To obey the old law or do we have a new law? Matthew 12, 1. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. And his disciples were hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful on the Sabbath day. Okay, here we have a teaching of Jesus Christ about the Sabbath day. He's having an accusation by the Pharisees. And they say, "Why why do your disciples do something that Moses forbid? Okay, what is Jesus' response? He says unto them, Have you not read what, Moses, what David did when he was in hunger? And they that were with him, how he entered into the house of the Lord and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them that were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read the law, how that on the Sabbath day the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Okay, here we see it seems that Jesus made two excuses for their actions. Is this appropriate to make excuses? What do you think? When, when somebody tells you what you're doing is wrong, should you say, yeah, but somebody else did that too? So that exempts me, is that correct? Is it, in, is it appropriate to do that? Say, okay, you, you're disobeying, you know. No, they did it too. Is that okay to, to take that approach? Is that what Jesus is doing here? Let's look at it carefully. Jesus is being accused here that his disciples are breaking the the Sabbath law, the Sabbath day. And he says, but didn't you read that David did it too? It sounds like he's making excuses, doesn't it? But I think if we look at the basis of their action is that, that he's setting the basis for the law, that this law was never written in this manner. 
to accuse someone for this, for this sin. Let's look at this passage very carefully. I think there's some really deep truth here. As we look at this passage here, I say unto you, verse 6, we didn't read that yet. Verse 6 says, I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. What was the statement that he made? He says, there, there, is, a, there is a group of people that are exempt from the Sabbath law. Did you pick that up? Verse 5 says that on the Sabbath day, the priests that are in the temple they profane the, the Sabbath and are blameless. In essence, he's saying the priests that are sacrificing, are making your sacrifices, they're working, right? It's not easy. It's not an easy job to do sacrificing. It's, it's a strenuous, hard job. It's a work that they do physically. It's not, it's not just a mental task. It's not just like sitting and meditating. No, these, these priests physically sacrificed these animals on the Sabbath day, and they were blameless. He says, why are they blameless? They're working. The Bible says you're not supposed to work. Jesus is saying these people, this group of people, is exempted from that law. How are they exempted? Because they are, number one, they are priests. And number two, they're in the temple. There's two things that exempt someone from this law, and that he's a priest and that he's in the temple. Now, what does he go on to say? I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. What's Jesus saying? Who do you think is greater than the temple in this place? Answer is always Jesus, right? The answer is Jesus. Jesus is greater than the temple. And he is saying, He's applying this passage. He's, a, he's applying the fact that he is a temple. And he said, these are my priests. And they're in me, so they're, they're exempt. He's saying the, the apostles that are going through the corn here, and they're eating, they're doing work, but they're in the temple. They're in me. And they're, they're my priests. I think that's what he's saying. Now, it's, not, it's never okay to do wrong because someone else did wrong. But what, what Jesus is pointing out, that a holy man of God saw the distinction of the old covenant. And he, lived at, who, he who lived after the heart of God was willing to do differently than what the law required because he understood the law. He wasn't living by a dead letter. He was living by the Spirit. David had a heart after God. Verse 7 says, but if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is, even, is Lord even of the Sabbath day. So here we see that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord of the Old Covenant. He's Lord of the New. And, and the call of Jesus Christ is, it's coming to me. The, the operation of Jesus Christ is, I want to I do an operation. I want to make an operation in your flesh. I want to take out that stony heart of stone, the heart of stone, and I want to put in a heart of flesh. And I want to write my law on your heart. And it's not going to be letters. It's not going to be letters that kill. That inscription in your heart 
is going to be a spirit. It's not going to, it's not going to be restrict your actions and, and, and force you to, force you to do this or that. No, it's going to be a voluntary, emotional response to God and to His love. And that's my message for us this, this afternoon is the old covenant, it was written in stone. Why? Because the people's hearts were hard. But today, in Jesus Christ, God writes those laws in your heart, in the soft heart. And it doesn't come out the same as the letter. It comes out in the spirit. It's not thou shalt not kill. It's love, even your enemies. It's an emotion. That finger of God has touched your heart and caused it to bleed. The, the real genuine heart of God. It's affected you in the way God's heart is. No longer do we have this, this, this letter that kills us. This letter that brings rebellion and reaction. But now we have a heart that's touched with God's finger to write his love, write his command, write his tithing, write his Sabbath keeping on your heart. And a law of Sabbath keeping, a law of tithing looks so different when it's written in a heart of flesh than if it's written on a heart of stone. So God doesn't change. He just wrote it on a different, on a different spot. He wrote it on a heart instead of he wrote it on a, on, a, on a table of stone. And God wants you today to accept that operation, first of all, the operation of a, a new heart, and secondly, to allow him to write his law on that heart. And it's so different from the uh, ritualistic observance of a law as compared to a heartfelt uh, commitment to a law of truth. You know, j just watching this, you know, a, a person with a heart of compassion, how that their heart will be so different, that, or their actions will be so different, and how, so, how it so much more completes and fulfills the, the ministry and the service as a steward of God, how we, how our stewardship is a completely different stewardship as we live under the new covenant, as we live under the covenant of, of a, a heart that's written on with the finger of God instead of a heart of stone that's, that's being controlled by external forces. And it's a choice that we have. You know, will I allow God, first of all, Will I allow God to break that stony heart of, of, of flint, uh, the anger, the frustrations, and all those things, and take that out and, and replace that with a, with a heart of flesh? And will I day by day allow God to write with his finger in the soft tissue of my heart to, to express his character and his purposes to the world around us? That's a, that's a challenge I'd like to leave you. May God bless you.